happen to be HBO. No big deal. Yes, they've been a great home. And last but not least, who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um, everybody black. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Betting on black tonight. Lovely. You look great. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast, and this is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. And today is a special one. Yes, it is. Because a very long, 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 I guess, you know, social media acquaintance that becomes, you know, a very good, a good companion in the arts and somebody that I really admire because he just definitely stays at his work forever is consistent in putting out work and definitely shows a, a vigor and a passion for the arts and his art form that he loves to do. So, I want everybody, everybody, everybody to give a nice, good, warm welcome to the Simply King podcast to Travis Squire. How you feeling, bro? Wow, that sounded really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do what I can. I do what I can. Ah, <laughs> oh, they gas me up, man. <laughs> yes, yes. You got to do it. You got to get it. Because you, that's, how you, that's how you smooth people in, you know? Because, you know, you never know how people feel about because i think there is a thing called you know like podcast fright you know like you got camera fright but when you like are thinking about it like people are gonna hear this i don't want to sound crazy so i think there's this you know this little pause so giving a great introduction is always a good thing but no for everybody who listened you know did i do my tagline i did not this is the soulfully conscious podcast for humans simply being humans this is simply king we cannot forget that part but um (laughs) Katravis is here with me. I had to bring him here with me because we go back and forth on Twitter all the time. He is a <laughs> photographer, filmographer, cinematographer, and um, and filmmaker, in his, in, respectively. And so we talk all the time about just TV and film and all these yeah. different things. You know what's crazy is, like, I think I've made a lot of friends just ranting about like my either <laughs> approval or disapproval <laughs> of certain like industry moves or certain artistic choices that I've seen just within the whole scope of the industry. Uh, and I think, I don't know. I just, I think it's interesting that <laughs> we can all come together and just be mad together or be glad together. <laughs> you know, I think it's a beautiful thing when, you know, you can uh, agree to disagree. I don't think there's enough of that. Yes. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, I've, same thing. It's like, you know, I've met a lot of friends, whether we agreed or disagreed on a perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just that we both had the knowledge and passion about it. And, you know, that always generated something later on where, you know, we always started talking about things when they happened on Twitter or you know, yeah. any form of social media. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, I agree. I, I think for me, I think for me, it's just the. I love talking and coming in because my, my podcast is really a podcast to criticize, you know, kind of society and culture. And I think mm-hmm. for not only for black people, but for everyone, when it comes to just, you know, the art of motion and seeing, you know, stories being told in front of you, I think they are one of the most impactful 
art forms of today. I think that's why mm -hmm. there's so much money put into it. I think that's why there's so much energy put into making sure you can still watch your show, you can still do this. People might be cutting the cord, but it is not stopping streaming at all. You know, it's like right. we still got to get something. We still got to be able to consume a thing. And like I look at my nieces um, who forever got an iPad in their face, you know, looking mm -hmm. at something, you know, the fact that it's it's gotten even even more like kind of, you know, basic and very yeah. fundamental in the sense of just entertainment, just through simple storytelling or, or just simple right. premises uh, and whatever, you know, type of genre it is. I think a lot of kids like a lot of just kind of reality things, honestly, mm -hmm. um, just because they like watching kids doing things, <laughs> um, which right. I think is interesting. Just like the fact that unboxing is a genre. In, on that amazes life. me. It, it, it baffles my mind because I'm like, I could have done this. Like, yeah, it amazes I, I was, me. Because I, I love, I like, I, I know I have a great energy. I know I have a good thing, to, you know, when it comes to just describing things. I could have did this as a child. <laughs> like, if YouTube was right. like, just getting toys or just talking about things, like, these kids are literally uh, just giving you, you know a, thing, a, a true review. Mm -hmm. You know the thing is, I watch those videos all the time, like yeah. before I buy a movie or if I yeah. buy a vinyl or whatever it may be. Because like if I'm spending this money, I want to see what it looks like. So yeah. it's a simple idea, but it's so effective. It's and effective. I often sit there and I'm like, I had never thought about that. I thought about complex things and it's easy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's the plight of creatives because I think we could be so deep in the ocean sometimes we don't even realize that the beach is cool like you know mm -hmm. like it's cool to just be on something that you can feel and understand and you know exactly where you at like you, this is sand there are there's you know there's this is sand that's the shore there's right. you know the rest of the world because the ocean right. is so like vast and big you never know what you're going to discover so you I think we like to keep our minds and and energies in that space of like just being able to receive whatever it is, being able to see things, have a perspective that's so like, you know, nuanced and past the, you know, surface of what people are seeing just to just to develop something that can really just touch people. Because that's what yeah. usually touches people when you can create something that's, you know, under the thing. But right. Let's get right into this conversation. Let's start with the Twitter check in. Okay, so right. Twitter check in. I've been, you know, I, uh, I think what several episodes ago I started and I introduced, you know, a few different new segments that I said I'm going to like stick with because I felt like I was like, I, I feel like I don't really do segments consistently and I need to, right. I, need to I need to buckle down on myself. So right. the Twitter check in is really to highlight something that has happened on Twitter that went viral that needs to be spoken about that needs to be spoken about in length. Because Twitter is only 280 characters. So we got to right. talk about it. We have to talk about it. Um, so now for everyone who does not understand this, I know that you clicked on this because you understand this. So you're going to also understand the emotion that can come about when talking <laughs> about this. So if I yell, if I get mad, if I just be, you know, if I curse, you know, whatever it is, it's because it's necessary. And that's that's how I fucking feel. So, essentially, as you as we both know, the spider Spider Man for people who did not know, because I think there is a lot of people, which I which I, I'm still coming to realize, because 
when you look at a movie and you know that it's making a billion dollars, I guess it almost you kind of think everybody understands what they're looking at. You know, I think sometimes I forget that. But being an actual comic book nerd, being actually into these types of things since I was a child, I understand exactly what's happening. Um, Even from the business perspective, like a lot of people didn't know that, you know, in the late 90s that Marvel, Marvel Comics was going broke. Um, Oh, close to it, rather. Yeah, close was close to it. And essentially they had to essentially literally shoot, literally sell out some of their literally their best uh, uh, intellectual properties off to these different conglomerates and these different, you know, uh, entities uh, being, you know, movie studios. Mm-hmm. And um, those being Spider-Man to Sony, those being X-Men to Fox uh, Century. Um, and also you have what I think what Daredevil went over there as well. And you have Fat, uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, they uh, had Fantastic. Fox had Fantastic Four, uh, uh, Silver Surfer. Silver uh, Surfer. Universal had. Hulk. I think they still yes. do have Hulk. I think they still mistaken. do. I think they still do. I think it's a. Um, I think because what's weird about it, it's like because I can't pinpoint it, but I feel like in every little thing that I've noticed, it seems like uh, everybody has a different type of arrangement with the characters because mm-hmm. with um, with the Hulk's character, even though Universal hasn't done anything with him in years, I don't think that. Re- kind of absolves them of the ownership of the character. I don't but I also don't think they have like all out movie rights for the the storyline, the character itself, but I think they have like movie rights for a solo story. Like literally just that is what I think they have. And then um I think uh, like you have like Namor that's I think is with Universal as well. And um yeah. some and and now within, you know, we'll talk about it more later in the conversation with the acquisition, the large <laughs> Disney acquisition, mm-hmm. um, they got a Too lot of large. things back. They got <laughs> a lot of things back, which is stupid crazy to me. But what has occurred is something that I don't think anybody really predicted, but I knew it was going to come a moment where it was going to be at least a headline just because I knew it was an interesting arrangement that they had because they really do, probably out of everybody, out of probably every other um, non-MCU Marvel Studios uh, entity that owns some type of Marvel IP, they kind of they got the like, they got that one. They got the baddest one. You know what I'm saying? They got like the mm-hmm. the joint. They got Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Sony actually has ownership of Spider Man for the people who do not know. And essentially, they were in a, you know kind of a, a, agreements and things, and could not come up to some type of agreement on a new contract for the character itself and utilizing the character within the MCU. And so right now, as it stands, because they say that they're still negotiating, but right now, Spider-Man is out of the MCU. And that was the headline. Twitter went crazy. People started to raid (laughs) Sony. What the hell is wrong with you? What's going on? I want to know what you think about it. Yeah, well, okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here, I guess, Um, because 
Oh, I think as of last week, because I know they, um, you know, they announced Black Panther two and everything mm-hmm. like last weekend as well. I think they kind of came to the agreement that they're gonna move on in their separate directions, mm-hmm. and I think this is truly just a tale of greed, in my mm-hmm. honest opinion. Um, you know, I. For all intents and purposes, you know, I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's in my top three uh, favorite characters. Personally, I was not a huge fan of the Marvel um, Disney movies that, you know, have come. But, you know, that's, you know, subjective within itself. But I don't think that Sony was wrong in this regard. Um, This became, I think, I, I believe this just became a thing where Disney became very confident and... Um, felt that they were going to get what they want regardless because they have gotten what they want regardless. I think, you know, they've gotten a little too powerful mm-hmm. and the, there was no way no one was going to tell them no. When they put this deal together, it was a five-picture deal. So that was uh, Civil War, the two Avengers movies, and then two Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. They knew going in that was going to be, you know, the deal was five movies. And, of course, we knew there was going to be success with them, uh, which each film, the success grew. And I think, and it shows, if anyone saw the last one, they ended on that huge cliffhanger. I think Disney was like, oh, we're getting it regardless. And Sony said no. And I'm like, I applaud them. Now, what they do with the IP now, I don't know what happens, but I applaud them because they were funding the movies. Disney was not. Uh they only had the um, box office revenue. That's all Sony was getting from that deal. Mm-hmm. Disney was getting the merchandise, which is in the long run far more fruitful if you look at the bigger picture. Because a movie uh, time frame when it's released, if it's lucky, gets about what twelve weeks in cinema, and mm-hmm. then that's done. You got to make up the rest of that money or whatever it may be um, in your home office. Um, video office, rather, uh, box office, I'm sorry. Um, so it, it, they were getting the shorter end of the stick for property that they owned. <laughs> so I I don't, you know, understand. I get the, uh, the outrage of, you know, the character is no longer going to mm-hmm. be connected in this bigger picture, which to me that does suck. I personally... For all intents and purposes, wish something could have came down to it so we can keep the continuity. Yeah. Because um, Sony's not going to be able to use those suit designs anymore, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because I think they made him too much of a Tony Stark Jr. instead of being his own character like he was in the comics, yeah. which is one of the big problems I have with the Disney films. But I, I'm, I was upset more with the, okay, we're not going to have the same continuity anymore. But from a business perspective, I don't disagree with Sony because from what I've been reading, Disney now wanted 50 percent of the box office and Mm -hmm. any um, of the characters that they use. So, like, if Sony was to, you know, build out that um, Venomverse or I guess it's going to be a Spider-Verse now that they're building now that they have, you know, (laughs) full rights. Right. if they did anything with any other character, Disney wanted 50% of that as well, too. And I'm just like, no, y'all are not even funding the movie. So that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that, um, you know, I get, you know, a lot of us are upset, but I think we have to look at the bigger picture and just see what caused this to really happen. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. They um, I think initially for me, I think I definitely felt the very fan part of it. Um, feeling like, damn, why y'all had to do this? Why we can't figure this out? But I remember like talking about it at work after marinating on a little bit. Uh, my coworker who doesn't know as much. I think he's definitely like became a fan as these uh, movies became popular. Mm-hmm. He was like, they'll figure it out. It's, he was like, he was like, there's no amount of, you know, they're going to figure this out. They want to do this right. And I was like, bro, <laughs> this is, you're talking about two of the biggest companies in the world. They, yeah. they will not figure it out if they don't want to. Like, it's not a, and he was like, but that's like so crazy. And then I was like, let me tell you this. If anything is possible, you got to look at it like this from Sony's perspective. Because I think everybody's looking at it like Marvel has had them. Don't be on bullshit. Whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow. But if you think about it, Venom did not do that bad. No. And people are looking forward to a sequel. Spider-Verse was a Sony film that literally got critical acclaim. An Oscar. Uh, audience acclaim. An Oscar. <laughs> And that was just Sony doing that. And on mm-hmm. top of that, it was, you know, presenting the diversity and uh, a very creative use of technology. So literally it was like they kind of they did. They finally did something right in terms of Spider-Man on their own since mm-hmm. in, in a long in a long time that I feel like people didn't question. People didn't try to say anything about, you know, because, yes, there's been several Spider-Mans. But you know what else? Records of like. History has shown us that that's not something that's going to keep us away from something, um, no. at least in terms of a, uh, of a character that we've grown to be familiar with their origin story. And it, we don't get tired of that. How many Batmans mm-hmm. have there been? How many James Bonds have there been? Um, Very true. We, we are fine with that, depending on the depth of the character, I believe. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, people like Spider-Man... The fact that him and all of his kind of, you know, rogues gallery of villains and um, and all, all his supporting characters create his own universe is something that every other character within the Marvel world cannot even say that would mm-hmm. be that interesting. Like you get to a certain point and you just like, I don't even know who this villain is. Or you start crossing over needing to grab a, a more interesting villain that <laughs> that did have a battle with this person just to right. keep, it, keep it spicy, you know? Cause I think a lot of people don't recognize or don't know the history of people like Captain America, people like Iron Man, were second tier or B-list characters for a long yeah. time from a comics perspective. So genuinely what, Disney and Marvel did, Marvel Studios did, was something that was not only from a uh, a record-breaking standpoint uh, a very incredible thing, but they also made characters that people showed that they didn't never really care about into people they really care about now. People love Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. People love Chris Evans' uh, Captain America. So it's like, but Spider-Man was proven. Spider-Man was the proven one was the chosen right. one from the gate. That was the one. That is the, the one. Um, right. So, so hence why they were the first ones to, it was not the first ones, but they were definitely one of the first ones to have a very successful um, movie uh, movie franchise. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, Daredevil didn't, Daredevil didn't really do much. Didn't make, um, didn't make much noise. Blade yeah. certainly did, but I feel like there was this 
odd distance that was kind of put, even though Blade was the first Marvel film to kind of come out. It was still it seemed very distant to Marvel, and a lot of people didn't even know that that's what that was. They just thought, you know, uh, right. they thought they thought uh, Wesley Snipes just wanted to do karate again or something. But right. I digress, and we can move on because for me, I believe they have a lot. I understand it fucks shit up. They don't have to change <laughs> it. I think they were leaning into things. They, they I think. They should have had the foresight on this, and you would think they would have a little bit more foresight, but I feel like I was either... I'm not sure if I was talking to you or another friend of mine on Twitter just about, like, how they kind of get themselves in trouble with their storytelling sometimes. Um, yeah, very much. They get themselves in trouble because they just... You get to a point to where you interweaving yourself so much that you become tangled, and you either have to continues to keep addressing the thing that you created way back when or find a way to kind of just scrap this in the story because you need to move on. <laughs> you need to like right. progress it even further because you still haven't either dealt with this or done whatever. So in this right. in this case, just like you said, the fact that they did start to interweave that whole, you know, uh, Iron Man, Spider-Man uh, storyline, which didn't have to happen. I don't think it should have. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really have to happen. There's no other character where there's another character kind of, you know, just, I guess, so entrenched in, 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 in that story. And that's why they can have a solo movie. That's why these right. people can have solo movies and continue to have their the own thing. stories. His movies were so Iron Man centric. And I'm just like, that's not Spider-Man. Like, yeah. Spider-Man has never been about his suit. Um, it was about what was going on within. And they made it so much about the tech with these films that he was in. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like when he showed up in Civil War, I was like, okay, look like y'all have an idea with the character. That's great. Um, but then it's like when it got to his films, I was like, okay, was maybe not. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and, and it's funny, you know, even looking deeper into that deal, um, because Sony still had the rights. That's the reason, you know, um, Aunt May had to be younger. She couldn't be older. Aunt May. That's why his friends took on different appearances because of the deal that was worked out. So mm -hmm. it, it, the, the, the complexity of it is very fascinating to me, that deal that they worked out. And I think you brought up a very good point from Sony's perspective um, with uh, Spider-Verse doing as well as it did. It wasn't, you know, a box office juggernaut, but it was critically acclaimed, won mm -hmm. all these awards. And then, you know, Venom, whether you hate it or love it, I fall kind of within the middle. That film made $856 million, I think, worldwide. So that's about 200 less than the Spider-Man movie that's with Disney. So go. that happened by itself. Yep. Yeah. With, so, with no, with no Spider-Man at all. No Spider-Man, which is amazing because I never thought, I didn't think it was going to work. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. And when I saw it, I was like, it's not bad, mm -hmm. um, you know, but okay, hey, it'll do, you know, pretty well. And, you know, we'll keep it on moving. And then it's like that movie kept making money. And then once it got the overseas push, it ranked in all that money. I was just like, okay, I've been proven wrong. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, it's like they have, I think, a, a clear idea, I think, on how to do the character. I think that yeah. um, they're going to have to do a little bit of polishing, um, you know, from Venom perspective. But even looking at what they're doing for the sequel, it's like clearly I think they learn from their shortcomings and they kind of keep moving forward. Yeah. And 
I do I do believe this is a, a point of greed, and I think this is the part that people just need to kind of swallow the pill on. You know, the things that we love the most that bring us a lot of joy are owned by a lot of rich conglomerates and people. <laughs> yeah. They're not owned by people who are just uh, thinking about the good of the character and what the fans want. That mm-hmm. is a strong, strong afterthought. Uh, we need to create a good story that's going to appeal to the people who will make this into something that will validate the story itself, being the critics, mm-hmm. being the, you know, you know, the motion pictures, the science and all these different academies and things. Uh, and then the fans get what they deserve by doing that. Because because if you think about it, it's the least that it's the least thing that you can do in the whole scheme of things. All they mm-hmm. have to do is give us those shout outs. Give us those Easter eggs. Give us those jokes. Make it make it long enough. Give yeah. us enough, uh, you know, just exposition that's really giving us a feel for what the hell is going on, and we're really into it, and we're emotionally, you know, just they just have to literally make us emote. And right. so that so that's the simplest thing out of everything else, because everything else they gotta figure out these actors and get these contracts together and do all these different things and and check the scripts and do the editing and do all these other things. So for us. It's the last thing to do is let's make sure we satisfy the fans. Yeah. Because with the amount of money into it, with the amount of hype around it, as we see after, you know, 10 years, you will convince people who don't even give a damn about this story. They want to see this story based off of the hype. Um, mm-hmm. That's just what it is. But moving on, my praise them, praise them, praise them shout out. So my praise them shout out honestly goes out to because I thought about making it one person, but I was like, no, I want it to be a community. So I want to shout out the independent film community and I want to shout them out because they are the leaders, some of the leaders. There are several examples within uh, who are within the mainstream right now who are doing very creative, original content. But the fact that independent film uh the independent film community no matter where you are are constantly doing this that's all they're doing is just giving you stuff that you've never seen telling stories that you probably never heard uh trying to really push um narratives that need to be uh put to the forefront and um Mm -hmm. so i encourage everyone no matter what city you're in to you know google anything when it comes to independent film festivals any type of you know film uh organizations and even if you don't have time to consume some of the work that they do at least donate and support because i know they got some type of donate button donate tab uh just support in any way shape or form and if you are an independent uh film uh producer filmmaker uh, I would love for you to, you know, continuously keep doing what you're doing. Understand that I see you. If nobody sees you, I see you. And I appreciate <laughs> you. And I've worked with so many different people. I have so many great friends and acquaintances who are a part of this community. And I certainly, and, and for myself, being a person who who has contributed and plans to contribute even more into this space, I think it's something that we have to understand that there's strength within it some of the top films that have came out have started within the independent film community and went to win Oscars, went to be critically acclaimed, went to be some of the, to be seen as some of the best pieces of cinema to be created in the past few decades. So you're doing it right. It doesn't have to always come from a book. 
It doesn't have to always come from a comic book. It doesn't have to be some type of, you know, previous IP. It could literally just be a story from your mind to the page to the screen. And that, and that's all you need. That's your combination. That's your, that's your equation of success. Just keep doing that because practice certainly makes perfect. Getting the reps in, no matter if you feel like it's trash, sometimes you need to, like, just keep sharpening yourself and putting that shit out because if you just forever on the – on the cutting floor and you never put nothing out. What it what it like you, you gotta you gotta keep you gotta keep just putting it out and get building that confidence up. So shout out to right. y'all, praise y'all. And then I'll even, you know, I'll go a step further. Um I think that um the, the you know the indie scene, you know, me being a part of that as well, I mm-hmm. think that's what's keeping um the genre alive and exciting. You yes. know, I um personally will always tell you know people that i work with um or you know people that may ask me for advice yeah there are no new ideas and what i mean by that is and i think there was always that point in time where you know everyone's like this is completely original is completely different and i'm like no because this was done here and there it's about adding your own spin and own twist to it and I see within, um, you know, the indie scene and, you know, a lot of the filmmakers um, that go on to do bigger things, um, they're doing that. You know, they take something that's already, you know, been there, but they're adding their own spin to it. And I mm-hmm. think that's how we keep it going. You know, if you look across the board, you look at music, um, you know, if it was not James Brown and Jackie Wolf, uh, Wilson, there was no um, Michael Jackson. If there was no Little Richard, there was no Prince. So, mm-hmm. you know, you take those things and you continue to push the art form forward. You add your own spin to it. So yeah. um, for me, it's exciting to see um, so much, you know, beautiful art out there. Uh, keeps me excited. Yeah. Uh, A24 is one of my favorite um movie studios that's doing it right now and mm-hmm. um you know they're more so closer on the indie side of things and i yes. think most of the time they're knocking it out the park with everything so um who's, who's behind because that's uh who's behind a24 so i don't know the the figureheads behind it believe it or not that i don't know but I they've know done the they've done they, they did, did moonlight, uh, right they did moonlight the uh last black man in san francisco yes um, the Lighthouse movie that's coming out, they did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, good Time, which was a very good film, they did that. Um, uh, Lady Bird, um, uh, the Disaster Artist. They oh yeah, they've been they've been doing their thing. <laughs> they've yeah. been doing their thing. If they got all of yeah. them, <laughs> yeah. For the past couple years or so, yeah. um, then there was one of it's a long title. I think it's called The Worst Year in New York or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it had uh, the actor that plays Poe, I forgot his name, um, in Star Wars, but he's in it. Long movie, but such a beautiful paced and um, beautifully shot film. Um, Ex Machina, they did that one as well. So, oh, yeah, that's crazy. You know, so yeah, that's I just, crazy. you know, they've had a few times where it's just like, I don't know about this one, but hey, keep doing your thing. Uh, Midsummer, uh, or Midsummer, I've been messing the title up. They did that, Hereditary. So, you know, it's just all of those original, um, you know, interpretations of um, stories that, you know, may have already been told. Uh, you know, we've all seen, you know, uh, body possession movies and things like that, but mm-hmm. Hereditary made me uncomfortable towards the end of it. And I have not yeah. felt that way in a long time. Like, my skin was crawling. Don't, but <laughs> so, don't it feel good, though? 
like yeah, to like at, like after the fact like after you come out of the feeling it's like damn i really felt some type of way like i think about uh i don't know if you did you see uh native son that was on hbo i did not get a chance to see that one they were behind that one as well too i do want you're to see lying that. yeah well i'm glad i brought it up because i didn't even know that so <laughs> i'm telling you what you just said about the the feeling that you got the way that that movie was done I was I, I was uneasy the whole time, and like if you know the story of Native Son or anything mm-hmm. about it, it's definitely a very tense type of story, and they found very. a way to make the whole damn movie tense. Like you were just like, "What's about to happen? What's about to happen?" And if the fact that nothing was happening, it just made you feel like y'all are really playing the long game on my like emotions right now. Like just like. Like, like, take it off. Like, just cut. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cut it. <laughs> um, so did they, um, like, because I haven't gotten a chance to see uh-huh. it yet, but did they, like, um, somewhat, like, modernize the story a little bit? Or? Yes. That's exactly what they did. Okay. They, uh, they kept a lot of the same names mm-hmm. of the characters. Like, the main character's still name is Big. Uh, and, um, and I think in the book it was Bigger Thomas or Bigger Jones or something like that. And, um, some to that extent. Some, some to that extent. Because uh, I think the book was set in the 1930s. This is set in modern day Chicago. Uh, and and it pretty much, I think they try to keep a lot of the skeleton of it the same. Mm-hmm. Um, age-wise and all those different things. But, you know, he's, he's like the trendy, you know, very young, leather jackets, kind of, you know, punk type of look. Uh, and his whole kind of crew is very similar to that, and um, yeah, it's. I think you. I think you should definitely make time for it. It's on HBO, and um, it's just you know HBO don't get rid of shit, so it's it's still there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there it is. Um, but no, moving on to the main topic. So, so for today's main topic, we're definitely going to you know be bouncing around everywhere. Just to brace yourself because we are those types of people, um, and and I honestly couldn't imagine our conversation not be something like that uh, <laughs> because it's <laughs> because it's just it's it's just that depth it's just that much depth in the things that I know that he's inter- that I know Travis is interested in know that I'm interested in that just we are interested in and that we that we would be the ones to care about this a lot, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so first let's start out with you and let's talk about you know the things that you like the things that inspire you just so people can get a sense of you know kind of how you see when you're watching tv and film like how do you see these type of things so first tell me i guess some of your inspirations and why they inspire you that's that's complex um (laughs) um so i have um i've loved the art of cinema since really being a child i know that's kind of cliche to say uh-huh. um we hear that but my love for this goes back to the age of i was either four or five sitting in my uh, great grandmother's room and um she had a uh, vhs <laughs> showing my age here but she had a vhs copy of uh, jurassic park mm. and um I was so intrigued by the design of that cover. So that's why I put a lot of emphasis like on um, the posters and stuff when I do it now. Because I just remember seeing that in her um, entertainment set that she had. It was sitting there. And I was just like, what is that? And uh, pulled it out. And she was like, 
you may like it, you may not. I don't know. It's not a cartoon or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember sitting there watching that movie and my jaw hitting the ground. I'm still, to this day, when I watch that movie, um, when you see the T-Rex for the first time, I get goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Velociraptors um, at the end, that scared the life out of me as a kid. We used to live in this apartment and my room used to like face this long hallway and that's where the door was. And I just always thought I was going to look out and just see those Velociraptors there. And, you know, so that just it took my imagination to the whole next level. And, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to that film um, to really inspire me to just fall in love with this um, this beautiful art form. So mm-hmm. uh, I just I look for things that that resonate with me um, that are you know beautiful. Um, you know, the movies that I remember um, loving as a kid, um, the first movies that I really remember, there's three. So Jurassic Park is one of them. Um, the Lion King is another one. And, you know, I always get people that roll their eyes, but Batman Forever. Um, I know Batman Forever is not the classic Batman that, you know, most people love. But I have a connection with that film because it made me fall in love with that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for all intents and purposes, um, you know, was it kooky? Yes, but it was such a beautifully shot movie. Like, yeah. there are shots in that movie that are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I have no shame. I said, I still love watching that movie now, even though I know there's better Batman movies. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, like, I, you like what you like. You know what I'm saying? People shame yeah. me because I, cause I, 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 I tell them, yeah, I don't mind. And I choose to watch Pootie Tang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think there's a different connection with um, with everything. And I think, you know, now that there's social media, everyone has a voice and everyone thinks that they're right. But, yeah. you know, there's always a connection with these 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 films, you know, the art form of whatever it may be that you love. There's a connection. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, it started there and it kind of just it continued for me. Um into being a uh, teenager because there was a time and period where I was really big into wrestling and I was like, I'm going to be a wrestler when I grow up. Um, And obviously that never... All of us. (laughs) But you know, Mm -hmm. that never happened. But you Mm -hmm. know, I look back at it now and I realize what brought me to that was the cinematic side of it. The storytelling aspect of Mm -hmm. it uh, is what brought me back. And even now, if I venture back to watch it, it's still those stories. I come back and I'm like, this is good storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, as as, you know, a stage that it may be, it's phenomenal storytelling. I have all the respect in the world for them going out there, um, putting their bodies on the line year out for these, you know, the people. So, um, but I was 13 and I saw Scarface and I remember at the end of that movie, you know, we all know how Scarface ends. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting there, I was watching it on USA. I still remember the exact place I was where I saw it. And I was at my aunt's house and I was like, I don't know what I want to do or how I'm going to do it, but I want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it started to become more serious for me at that point. At the age of 13, I started looking at movies um, and really kind of dissecting them. Um, And I think to an extent, I've always done that, but it was more so I was always fascinated with how things would happen, um, which used to drive my mom, especially my dad, (laughs) up a wall because I would be like, "Okay, how did they do this? And, you know, my dad was like, well, they had the effect. I'm like, what's the effect? (laughs) And um, when I saw Titanic, I remember to this day, 
my dad just was like, just just don't talk about it anymore. I kept asking how they sunk the ship. How did they make it look real? What's the seesaw? What's this? What are you talking about? And that curiosity, you know, is still within me today. I'm always wondering, you know, how you accomplish the shine and things like that. So mm. add that love and knowledge to, you know, now learning, okay, what's this character arc? And I think Scarface was a great place to start because Tony went through so much. He went from being just the bad guy to being the bad guy that you root for to being the bad guy. Personally, after he killed his best friend, I was just like, bro, you got to go because that's 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 ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. the amount of emotions that I felt throughout that whole movie at first, I wanted him to be successful. Then I'm just like, no, you're breaking the rules. And they told you the rules and you're breaking them. And then it gets to where he starts spiraling out of control. You didn't do the, you know, the mission that you're supposed to. They said blow up the car. You didn't do it because the kids were in there, which I get it. But now you're screwed. And then, you know, when that that was the final nail in the coffin is, you know, when he killed his best friend. And it was mm-hmm. just like, OK, so I started looking for that in the movie. What's the character arcs? What do I feel for this character at the beginning of the movie? What do I feel for him or her at the end of the movie? Um, and around that time, I saw Scarface for the first time. They were um, doing the um, the Matrix um, sequels. Um, and I remember being somewhat disconnected from them versus everyone else. Because I was just like, I don't really think there's a story and the, the the two sequels, I think it was more so let's show off the visual effects versus the first movie I thought was a little bit more grounded um, and had a phenomenal story. Um, but I started just looking for that stuff like, you know, what's this? What's the story? What's the character arc? What inspired it? Why is this room blue? And every time he's around, why does the camera do this? And, you know, those are the things I just I love about it because, you know, it, it, it tells a story, you know, I, don't think you know sometimes we often realize and i think you know the casual viewer is you know more so to be entertained but there are always so many clues to who this character is if you just look in the surrounding areas how they pan the camera how they show that character and that's that's just what i really love about the art you know steven spielberg is someone um I would say it's my favorite director just because I think Steven Spielberg can do any and everything. And I think he's proven that uh, Spike Lee is another yeah, uh, favorite of, of mine. Yeah. yeah. Like you can get Steven, Steven can just take anything and just make it work. And you just, you go along with it. You're like it's Steven Spielberg and you know, Spike Lee um, of course is another favorite of mine. I, idolized spike because of what he did for uh black people the black culture um especially in those early films up till mm-hmm. i would say malcolm x um i think he did some of the most beautiful things for our culture and he didn't just go out there and say this is a black experience yeah. he just showed it to you and i think sometimes with modern cinema in general there's so much telling and, you know, cinema is supposed to be show, don't tell. Spike would just show it to you. And if you are, you know, a person of color, black, whatever it may be, you have a connection with these things. And you're like, I know what Spike is saying. Right on. Let's keep, you know, keep it moving. Uh, you know, John Singleton, um, 
Godly. Broke my heart. That was <laughs> that um, was that was that was just the most all of a sudden thing ever. And I, I yeah. it always hurts you when you know they hit you with the like he's in critical condition and then you yeah. and then you're just waiting to see what's gonna happen. Well, you know, the thing is, I woke up that morning to the headline that he had already passed, and I was just like, wait a minute, what? Where did this come from? Yeah. Because I personally, I don't think he gets enough love no, um, for what he's done as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, being the youngest person to be nominated for Best um, best Director. And I have so much love and respect for him and Spike. I kind of linked them together because of how hungry and ambitious that both of them were mm-hmm. where if you take do the right thing and uh you know spike had shopped that around but they wanted to change things and he said no i'm not changing i'm just going i'll take my movie elsewhere and that's where universal said hey we got you and it goes to universal same thing with um john singleton where it was just like well we don't know he had written boys in the hood but they didn't want him to direct it <laughs> and it was just like he was like no this is my story to tell and mm-hmm. you know obviously we saw the rest was history so seeing just how fearless confident and hungry how much they trust their abilities and trust you know within themselves to tell their stories is always been expiring to me a similar thing happened with uh with Malcolm X, and they didn't want to fund any more of the movie, so Spike was like, okay, I'm going to go to the folks I know. No, you may not get paid back, but this story is important. It needs to be told. And all the people that contributed to make that movie happen, Oprah, Janet, um, I I know he's not the favorite person in the world right now, and probably shouldn't be, but Bill Cosby. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, but all those people that contributed to make Mm -hmm. that happen, and he just didn't care, so... I have, you know, Singleton, I, I, I just, it broke my heart because I woke up to the news of him being dead and then it was like, no, that's that's wrong. And, you know, he's in critical condition. So it's like my emotions were jerked around <laughs> for the earlier part of that day. And it just it hurt because yeah. he was so fearless with how he told our stories, uh, maybe a little bit more than Spike was. I think John Singleton was just like, this is what it is. I'm showing it to you, and you're gonna take what you take from it. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a trip. It's a trip, and I love I love that you have connected so much of your life and key moments into where you are now, because it's only gonna be a valuable thing when it comes to just you know reminders of why you are what you are, and when you get frustrated, you you. You had so many signs. You had so many moments of showing you that you should be exactly what you're, exactly where you are, and doing exactly what you're doing because of all these inspirations, all these small little, you know, tidbits and little moments and little feelings, and the fact that you were a receptive child. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because uh, so so often we don't. I think so often we don't allow ourselves to be open enough to catch that thing that sparks that sense of imagination or better Mm -hmm. yet, we all experience it, but we allow it to, you know, to fade. You know, I think, I think quite often that, um, a lot of things that we do as children and things that we're interested in are usually the things that would probably be very easy for us. The things that would probably come to us very natural, the things in our adolescence that we Mm -hmm. are drawn to. And I think that's why you have so many, you know, 
prodigies within, you know, sports and prodigies within uh, music because it's like I was into this. I was 13. I was 14. I was into this and I just got like just stayed in it. <laughs> and yeah. you don't realize when they turn, when they blow up and they turn, I don't know, 21, 26, whatever, when they finally become famous, they've been really working at this for years. And yeah. It just seems like they really only got serious a few years prior to blowing up. But that's why it usually happens so fast because there's this intrinsic talent that you have, this thing that you see in yourself, this actual interest on top of the ability to actually, you know, feed and build onto that interest. But yeah. it's a beautiful thing. I really believe that because I, I, I'm seeing that all right now with myself. Just it's, it's a crazy thing. And I think it's a beautiful that you see. You've seen that. You can reflect on that. You can go back to that to know exactly why you are where you are. And I just wanted to say that. Um, but no. So I know that you watch a lot of things. Yeah. Um, when you get you make time to watch as much as you can, I know because you're probably a very busy person. And I assume yeah. that you, you know, I'm not sure if you have cable or what your <laughs> setup is. But streaming is a thing. Unless oh, yes. you are Patrick star <laughs> then you you would you would you know everyone else should know unless you're patrick star so the streaming wars have been very interesting to me my girlfriend oh, yeah. could care less when i try to talk to her about it she she gets into it sometimes because it, it is <laughs> interesting but i be wanting to like we could like sit down and talk about this all day because i just want to i really want to know what the end game is a little bit you know um, right. i really would love to know the numbers behind you know certain things uh, you know why certain moves are being made and all these different things because i feel like a lot of people are very quiet about what the moves they're making a lot of mm -hmm. people are very loud about the moves they're making the loudest being disney disney just had their uh disney expo uh d23 uh convention which um i actually kind of want to go one time like i, I actually would go to that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, it, it actually looked kind of fun um and they, this one is a very special one because they're essentially rolling out the uh, the launch for their uh, Disney Plus streaming platform, which is going to be hell of a juggernaut. We're talking about, oh, yeah. damn, we're talking about literally all of their previous IP being movies, a lot of shows, uh, Marvel uh, properties. They own, they've owned Lucasfilms for quite some time. Uh, yeah. They own ESPN. Yep. They uh they bought Hulu. They already Fox. had 50, they already had like fifty percent uh shares of Hulu and uh and stake in Hulu and now they got the hundred percent. They bought Fox, which comes with another laundry list of films and televisions and probably very and also and I think the part that people probably don't even know is what underdeveloped, unreleased material that these people gain. Like, that's what I think about, too. Like, I think past what we know they got. But right. what, like, because they, cause there's so many things that go into development that never make TV. So many yep. things that go into development that never make screen. But they, there was a budget for it. There was things put out for it. All these different things. But these things get scrapped. They get shelved. They just never go all the way through and get the green light. But people have used, people have shot things. People have done things with these uh Things that we just don't even know uh, what what happened to them or never even heard that they were going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have, you know, Netflix. Netflix, is, I think, is in an interesting place because I think they are the uh, 
the spokesperson, I guess, for streaming. When you think about it, like I think a lot of people, you know, tune into Netflix first before they check. You know, they they check Netflix if they're gonna check anything when they're talking about looking for something to watch, uh, right. because they did hold. They, I feel like Netflix certainly are the ones who created uh, the binge watching culture of today, dropping a whole show that you can watch in a, in a matter of a weekend. Um, mm-hmm. giving you just all these different movies and series and giving you the whole collection so that you can really go into a rabbit hole. Right. Creating original content that actually is good, <laughs> that has no connection to anything else sometimes, um, that's just a genuine, just good product, uh, showing you international um, films, um, giving you just a variety of options. Because I do remember quite some time ago, uh, when Netflix was just those, you know, the shows that you know that you like, that just so mm-hmm. happen are now available through Netflix. But there was a change. Once they started doing their own original content and gaining that clout, putting that budget into, you know, creating more original content and buying IPs to be able to stream, it changed. It changed everything. And, um, and I think now we're in a place, and I would love to, under, to know what you feel about this and also know what you feel about the streaming wars that are about to occur literally this year. I think it what is November 12th when I think uh, Disney plus drops It's the 12th or the 16th, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have HBO who's doing something being HBO max Mm -hmm. where I think they have, uh, I think it's like time Warner is the people who are behind them and they have a lot of different properties. Um, You have all these big major, uh, very rerun legacy type of IPs like Friends, like Seinfeld, Fresh Prince. They're going back to their respective homes. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're all just going back home. I think NBC is setting up to do something. I believe, uh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, I forgot who else I'm forgetting, but... I know NBC is setting themselves up to do a little thing, you know. You have Amazon Prime, who's been, you know, certainly consistently creating content that they really. I think they're gonna definitely, because um, they. I think they. 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 I feel like they're slow approaches to to everything, just because that's. I think that's the the methodology, the methodology of Amazon is that we gonna get your ass when we get your ass. So mm-hmm. I think they're gonna steadily kind of keep doing what they're doing until they finally, you know, find that hit that gets everybody the fuck over here. Y'all, y'all want to be over here, but I, I just would love to know what you feel about the streaming wars and what you've seen, and yeah. how do you plan on paying all these bills to watch all this stuff. <laughs> Like what you, you know. gonna buy? What you gonna what you gonna subscribe <laughs> to? I, I feel like that's a good question. Yeah, that's no, that's a phenomenal question. Uh, that's honestly, I I could talk all day about the the streaming platforms because uh, mm-hmm. I'm so so into it. I just had a debate um, last week um, about um, like the music streaming platforms and yes. you know title and all of them. So. Yes. Um, that's a whole, that's a thing now. I think it's becoming a big thing. Like, who you go to for your music now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so fascinating. I literally, maybe a week or so ago, was telling my wife where I was just like, it's about to get very interesting because Disney coming out the gate and saying, 
we coming for you. Yeah. It's just what it is yeah. because they you can either get just their Disney app, which I think is seven ninety nine, or you mm-hmm. get that bundle package where it's ESPN plus the Disney app and it's Hulu mm-hmm. for twelve ninety nine, which is cheaper than what you're paying for Netflix. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you read recently, but I know they experienced a decline for like the first time since two thousand twelve in subscribers, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what does Netflix do? Because they're going to have to adapt now because we know people are going to go get Disney. You know, so much childhood connectivity to Disney with their films, um, the television programs that they have. And now that they own so much uh, IP now, um, when it comes to the films and, you know, the shows that are listed under those um, those conglomerates that they ended up purchasing, who wouldn't want it? And then for the price that they're giving you and for what you're getting for that price. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't. I honestly cannot wait for it to release because I'm just curious to see how that's going to change the field because it's going to, um, you know, even Apple is going to be doing their thing. I can't remember yes, if it's this year or next year, but yes. they're doing their own thing and original they have content. original content and Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, like you know, big names are tied behind that too. Mm-hmm. So you have that, and HBO is fascinating to me because they have. Uh, you know, HBO Go, which is if you have the cable subscription, it mm-hmm. goes to that. And then you have HBO Now, which is their standalone. And I'm like, now y'all are dropping this. So that is it's fascinating. Um, on the positive side, you get the opportunity now to where, you know, I always read with people like, oh, you might as well stick with cable. I'm like, yes and no. I get that argument because now you're empowering people to be able to make a decision for what they want and what they do not want, which is what I think cable missed the mark to begin with. Because I remember all the classes I took in college, everyone was like, we should just have packages where we can just kind of pick what we want. So you want Netflix? Okay, you got it. You want HBO? You got it. You don't want Hulu and Disney? You ain't got to get it. But also know that comes with that. You're not going to be able to see uh, Moana. I mentioned that because my wife loves that movie, and she was so upset when it got pulled from Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to listen to that for days. I'm just like, well, we can go buy the movie, and then they they announced that uh, Disney app. And she's like, nope, I'm just going to wait for that to come yep, out. Yep. So I have to sit through Moana again and again, and we have no children. <laughs> we have no children. She just loves that movie. Um but yeah, if you don't want, um, if you don't uh, have Disney, you're not going to get Moana. You're not going to get The Lion King. So know that you're missing out on that. So I think it's fascinating. I like that there are options um, because I think it's going to create some phenomenal content because it's going to be so competitive, yeah. um, and you're going to have opportunities now for you know the young filmmakers that are coming out now to where they have these different avenues where they can get their content seen because you know netflix has had the throne for so long they in a lot of ways been the disney of streaming to where they've had their way for so long i think they got very comfortable and i think within the last year you see that in their content where it's been okay but it has not been like oh my god i have to see it so now they have to get back to that because they're gonna have to get those numbers back up mm-hmm. and they're gonna have to keep getting new clients because yep. everyone's not gonna keep all of that stuff. No, yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. I think that's the thing. Like from it's so crazy when you look at how like how just, you know, the content that people choose to put out 
and mm-hmm. the quality of it and all these different things and what people back, what people allow to be canceled. I think it was, um, I think Netflix came under fire early this year when it just started to become a thing like this great show that people like that, mm-hmm. you know, it seems that people like is now canceled before its third season. This other great show is canceled before mm-hmm. its third season. This one won't be renewed. This one won't be renewed. And it's like, why are you canceling all of these things? Why are you spending all this damn money to have friends on the platform? Who cares? So and then you raise the price. So we're paying mm-hmm. for y'all for, for some people to have to keep watching Friends when you literally gonna have to give it back in a limited amount of time. So it's like, to me, it's I think they because they they keep so much from us, mm-hmm. but then they have done so many things to make you know the. The, the, the certain moves that they make business-wise into the news, into the things that you pay attention to the most. And I feel like, damn, you know, like, we, you, it's all about the choices. Like, we could see why there was an opening, why this year of any year was probably the best time for all these different companies to start making these moves, to start making these certain things happen. Because look where we are. Like, I, I, I genuinely... I know for a fact I'm going to buy this Disney Plus stuff. Oh yeah, because it's just it, you can't you can't sell something like that and not like expect for people to kind of get all into it all about it. And furthermore, before we move on, I'm wondering what moves these other conglomerates who have very historical large IPs because there's still several others that I'm not sure what their moves are going to be, mm-hmm. what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if, if you know, the people, uh, I believe it's, uh, you know, what they probably, I think they actually do have a place to go. Um, I think HBO Max, if time who I'm not sure where Turner uh, Turner is in that whole kind of conglomerate, but I believe it may be under the HBO Max umbrella because I think CNN is going over there. Um, I think that's yeah. just a whole Turner. So that probably is where Cartoon Network and all those other things are probably going to end up. Uh, but then I think about like, you know, what are the Nickelodeon things going to happen? Are they going to bring back? We know for a fact, just from television, from cable television, they still have a lot of their old things. Are they going to, you know, put those onto streaming platforms? Are they going to keep developing things and keep developing original content? And then you have BET Plus, I believe. Yeah, that's coming too. (laughs) Um, Where they're already speaking about certain stories. Are they've already talked about you know certain reality shows that are going to be on there they talked about certain original content that's going to be on there and um i think that's an interesting move for them to make right now personally i think i do too i think it's a way i think it's a means that they had to eventually get to but i did not expect for bet specifically to get there this early um just just because the simple fact that i feel like they are still in this very limbo type of position They've just lost, uh, not just lost, but just Deborah Lee just has resigned, what, a year a year ago or something like that. So their mm-hmm. leadership is still kind of rocky. Their marketing is still very shaky. Their content-wise is still very, uh, very elementary, in my opinion, just because they're keeping that same formula that I believe they've been doing for, honestly, it feels like going on, you know, almost 10 years. Yeah, too long. Uh, Way too too long. long. Too long, especially once, you know, music videos started to not become a thing and they couldn't lean on that. And the 106 and Parks and all these other, you know, music video focused shows had to go away because that took probably a lot of their time schedules for the days. 
mm-hmm. now here we are and we're getting you know constant martin reruns constant uh, house of pain reruns we're but getting, even you know, how they market on social media i'm just yeah. like who, who's on this team you what's know going, like who's doing going this what is what's really happening like I expect better, you know, and I'm like, yeah. you know, need to bring, you know, if that means bring more black folks online to do it, then let's do it. So and I why don't isn't know. That the, yeah, why isn't that the thing? And you can kind of see it and tell sometimes. But I, I've literally had rants like this is free game. I've literally like added BET on Twitter like, look, this is free game for you. Create yeah. a schedule that makes sense. Like you can genuinely each day do something like that is extremely simple and beneficial like imagine on saturdays like right now when we are recording right now if they already got the rights to do you know certain black cartoons from independent cartoons you know finding 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 ways to you know finding ways contractually to make those things make sense um just trying to find a way to make that budget stretch uh, mm-hmm. to really be able to put out the content that they can create. Because I think that's the thing. Like, they really may just have to go, you know, and go to and collaborate with these different, you know, because uh, there literally are YouTube channels that have, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, a very consistent, robust content that I'm trying to figure out, like, why aren't y'all connecting? Why don't y'all just connect with them? You're already putting independent films on the channel, independent right. movies on the channel all the time. So it's not like you don't think you're above putting black independent films on this channel. So why not go and see about these shows, go and see how you can go to these collaborators, seeing how you can you guys can work together. And also on top of that, why don't you have a, a BET News anymore? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Roland, Roland Martin does not work for TV One anymore. He is right. out and about. Why don't you go get him? He has so much experience, so much resources. Literally, I've seen so many people who I've known from a distance literally end up working with him because he has that such a large network of understanding who are the black journalists of today, the young black journalists of today. So it's showing you something. And he literally said in several interviews, like, where can you go where there is 24-7 news broadcasted specifically to black people? Not just a segment, not just a part, not just a this and that, not just a certain piece where you're getting something to us all the time. So it's like that alone, you know, can take up a good <laughs> four to five hours of, you know, content in your day. And it's beneficial to us on top of reruns, on top of the shows that we love to see, just love to watch, to clean our house with. But on top of that, those shows that we are making appointments to make sure we go and see. Right. I think it's very possible. I think it's no excuse why some of the best shows with people that look like you and I and people right. who don't look like you and I uh, are on other platforms. You know, right. I feel like BET could be on the cutting edge of showing blackness within the diaspora, showing, you know, all those different things. Because I think that's something that people aren't even really thinking towards or thinking about. Like, they could have... Like BT could be the gateway to showing Nollywood films. They could be the gateway to showing, you know, these films that are centered within the Caribbean and within South America. Like they could be the gateway to, to, to all those different things. But I feel like that's not happening. And I feel like we have all the, all the, all of the resources and tools and the people are out here trying to get it going, trying to make it happen, but it's not happening. 
and they need the thing is they should be at this point and you know i even think about the um the award show uh you know when i was growing up watching it you know they gave you the moment of yeah. Michael Jackson and James Brown being on the stage together. Yes. The Grammys didn't have that. MTV didn't have that. Nobody. BET had that. Yeah. So it's like, where are those moments at, you know? And let's, Beyonce's not showing up to these things anymore, hardly anymore. So it's like, what you know, what's going on yeah. with the award show? Give us those moments to where it's just like, no, you have to watch our show because we're giving you this. Yes. That has never happened again. It's not going to happen because both of them are no longer with us. But they gave us that moment mm-hmm. in history. So, you know, the, I mean, shoot, I even go, even though um, Lauren's voice wasn't, you know, up to par that night, they still gave us the Fuji's reunion. So, yep. you know, where are those moments yeah, that we moment. have? Yeah. None of us did. It was just like, wait a minute, you got them back on the stage yeah. together yeah. at the same time? Mm-hmm. So where are those, you know, those moments? Yeah. So I, I I don't know if there needs to be new leadership. Obviously, there probably yeah. should be because there is so much content out there from, um, you know, black filmmakers. And, you know, when you say black, like you said, that goes so far out. You know, that's, you know, that's in African. That's the Caribbean, Africa, rather, um, the Caribbean, you know, that's London. That's everywhere. You know, we're everywhere. And it's, it's, there's it's, <laughs> so that, many stories. But, but, that, but that's all I'm saying. Like, there's no excuse that yeah. BT should feel in any way, any way, threatened or anything and and also don't just give it up to the people that you've been working with for forever also right. diversify who you're working with you know tyler perry is a legend he's an inspiration mm-hmm. you know shout out to him getting his sign and you know in, in uh, atlanta yes because the studio is massive <laughs> that is yes. a that is a <laughs> subdivision um but Giving everything to Tyler Perry ain't always the move. Giving everything to one person that you know is just who is a proven act is not the move. Because, it's never the move. Because not only is Tyler Perry powerful at this point, but he can give us whatever he want to give us whenever he want to do it. And yep. he needs no help in doing that. He needs no assistance in doing that. I believe and I hope, what I'm hoping is the capacity that he's in is very uh, a very uh, managerial and very... Uh, they're paying an executive producer role and just literally bringing on people. I genuinely hope that's what it is because if it's literally BT Plus is really just going to be from a content perspective, the continuation of you know Tyler Perry Studios like an outlet for his content. That that would that would make me feel a way just because I feel like it does not have to be one dimensional. And I already people don't already go to your channel on regular TV. Right, and you're now wanting us to, you know, buy into something where we probably have to spend more money, or probably have to watch it within a specific way, either through some type of, you know, app on our televisions or through our phones or iPads or what have you. I think that's the part that's like going to be a barrier of entry where I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, yeah. But let's move on. We could talk forever. <laughs> I, can, I, I can definitely see that. But no, let's move on. I guess I can uh, make these last two things our last uh, topics. But we are we are living. No, better yet, we're living. Because you know what? I think I want to bring you back to talk about rebooting. I really think that. Because I just feel like it's so much in that. So we're oh, gonna, that's a we're, lot. We're going to table that one. 
Yeah, I, that's why I'm going to go with my heart and go with that. But one thing I do feel like we should close on and talk about in the conversation on is talking about how we're living in a post insecure empire Black Panther era. And I say that because Empire came out of nowhere for me. And the success of the show, regardless of however you feel about it, showed us that we are hungry. We are Mm -hmm. needing to see ourselves on screen. And also, to people want to see us on screen. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the part that I feel like people don't always give it up to, is that because there's a lot of white people who watch Insecure. I mean, who watch Empire. Well, I like people who watch Insecure as well. But a lot of people, white people watch Empire. And that is a big reason what made that show a very popular show. Insecure is uh, a part of that kind of, I feel like, milestone in a sense. Just because I feel like Empire kind of led the way and kind of opened those floodgates again to mm-hmm. another kind of, you know, black renaissance of black television. Which I feel like we haven't seen and, you know, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think Insecure was really the piece that was a yet a yet again another piece of original content from a person that we are very familiar with that she's on the platform that I'm so excited and so glad that she's on being HBO. So that means she can be extremely unfiltered and be mm-hmm. exactly, tell the story exactly how she want to tell it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like no, I, 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 I was like, people haven't argued with me about this, but I do believe that this is, oddly enough, kind of I, the closest thing we will get to a, a modern day female Martin in a way, just because it's going to it's going to have its replay value. It's going to be something that we all kind of tune in for. It's going to definitely hold weight over time. It's definitely, you know, has its funny moments, its real moments. It's very life telling moments and I think the step above Martin is that we're talking about a perspective from a woman more than anything and then secondly it's still something that we all are so buying into we're all still trying to figure out and learn from and be inspired by and then lastly Mm -hmm. the one that I called I called this one I remember it was what it had to be what 20 well it was because this one because Black Panther Panther came out last year last year Mm mm-hmm in 2017, when they announced the film, I think in literally like in May of 2017, I remember calling my best friend, Juwanza, like I mentioned earlier, and told him, bro, shit is about to shake. Shit is about to change. Shit is about to be very different. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I'm calling it with this one. Because for one, it was all, it was all black cast. Yeah. It's a black director. Um... In a in a story that is black as hell, yep. <laughs> a character that is black as hell, the black as it can get because it's literally on, set within the motherland, talking about all these specific things. And I think the reason of the success is different from every other thing is that this was probably one of the most successful senses of world building out of probably every other Marvel film, solo film. In my opinion, mm-hmm. they made you want to know more about what the fuck is this 
this area, this setting, this place that we're in, like, I want to know more. Like, the fact that there was a resurgence in, you know, people want to know, like, I want to know what it, like, what does the Dora Milaje do without, you know, the king? Like, do they, can, I want to know more about their stories. I want to know more about what is Nakia doing when she is spying out into the world. What's really happening with that? I want to understand this history and the technology of this place. I want to see the city itself in different ways and how that goes about. It certainly showed and also just giving this sense of, you know, this just diasporic type of energy of the American, you know, African-American and the African uh, having this connection and also having this tumultuous relationship from a historical standpoint and being able to show that and for you to feel for the villain, for you to feel all these different things. It, and it also doing the numbers that it did. Uh, I think we're living in a new era. We're living in a new era, bro. And mm -hmm. I would love to know, I guess, how you feel like, you know, this will affect what we see in the future. If it, because I see it now. I see it in a lot of different ways. I definitely think it opened the floodgates because I think we had to kind of do it first for everybody else, I guess, to feel comfortable or them to have something to look look towards as an example. Mm -hmm. But I would love to know, like, living in this post-insecure Empire Black Panther era, what do you think is on the horizon or trends that we should see to come? Great question. Uh, first of all, I, I'm going to say this, Team Lawrence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, I think the, uh, the the future is bright. Um, it, the, uh, what scares me um, is I don't want blackness to be a trend yeah. i don't want it to just be you're the it thing so that's the negative side of it but for the positive side of it you know when it came to black panther i feel comfortable saying no one was more excited about this movie i think anyone that knows me and has known me for a while mm -hmm. especially some of the people i still keep in contact with for like since from high school I have been saying for the longest, this needs to be a movie. I need this to be a movie. Mm -hmm. What is going on? And then once Marvel started taking off, I was just like, okay, where's this movie? Because that character was always so fascinating to me. Because yes. um, I was just like, oh, he looks like me. And okay, so he's Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark kind of thrown together and he's black. What is this? What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, the older I got, you know, you, you learn more, you become more wiser and... I started wanting to see women represented right too, um, especially black women, because I don't think they get that opportunity. And when I start seeing Adora Milaje, I'm just like, yo, where is this movie? Because you do not understand the Dora Milaje alone is going to take this world by storm. Mm -hmm. And when it happened, I didn't think it was going to be that big. I'll just be the one to say, it. I didn't think it was going to be that big. I knew it was going to be big, but I did not think it was going to blow up the way it was. Mm -hmm. But then when you see it, it gives you such rich characters. You know, you get Nidor mm -hmm. Milaje, um, you get Umbaku, who was, for all intents and purposes, you know, Black Panther villains for the most part are kind of C-list because, you know, he wasn't the A-list character himself, you know, in the exactly. comics. 
Um, so they, you know, Umbaku was a uh, man ape in the comics and wore an ape suit. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, just to see that they said, no, we're not doing that. We're going to take him serious and how he became a show stealer with the little bit of time he had. You know, we all walked in saying Killmonger, Killmonger. And then most of us kind of left that movie was like, yo, I need more Umbaku. No mm-hmm. disrespect to Eric, uh, you know, uh, Eric Killmonger or Michael B. Jordan. I think he did phenomenal, too. So I think that, you know. We it, it, so it's weird, you know. I think we go through these these eras where it's like they realize that there's an audience for us, but I think it's always intimidating as well, because I think that when it comes to our stories, they're not shown or taught properly, um, and okay. what I mean by that is. Let's go back down to all the way back to elementary school. Uh, black kids saw themselves represented during Black History Month, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they saw Martin Luther King, and that probably was it. Uh, maybe Rosa Parks and Harriet Tubman, but that was it. You know, no Frederick Douglass, definitely no Malcolm X. And the key thing is, it was always black people started with slavery. They never said it, of course, but. If you look at what was taught in the history books about black people, it was oppression and slavery. Um, you know, you never saw the stories about the African Grove, um, you know, the Hare Sisters. Um, you know, you never saw those stories as far as I'm, um, you know, going back to entertainment, Oscar Michaud being, you know, the first noted black filmmaker. You know, these things that show that. We did not start with slavery, and even during slavery, we were doing great things. You know, Oscar Michelle could have been lynched, killed, and everything, you know, for those who don't know his story. But um, 34 films, I believe, and seven books, and he paid for all that himself. And, you know, this was during a time he could have been lynched, killed, whatever it may be, but he was still out there making it happen. So those stories, I think, they need to be told, Um and not just from an entertainment perspective, uh, perspective, but those are stories that need to be told because I think it, it leaves a lasting impact when you're teaching children slavery and that's it. And, exactly. and you look in there, you see the Egyptians and the Egyptians don't look like they're ac- accurately portrayed. You know, it's usually white kids or things of that magnitude. And I'm just like, that's not the Egyptians. So I think it's always a sense of being intimidated because we have been taught for so long oppression. We're oppressed. We're this. We're that. That we don't know our strengths. We don't know our 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 true history. Um, we don't know that we didn't begin with slavery. You know, and I think that's where the intimidating factor comes in because now when you get into Hollywood. It's like, oh, people are interested in seeing these stories. That's good. Okay, well, black people are funny. Let's let them be funny. Okay, yeah, we're more than funny. <laughs> you know, um, you know, oh, oh, they can tell action. Okay, yeah, we're more than action too. Um, oh, slavery. Okay, that's always good. Let's keep going back to the well. And it's just like, well, no, there's more to our story than slavery. And I feel like the slavery film, no disrespect, because I feel those stories have to be told and I do not ever wish that they do not be told. But my thing is I want more of our stories told. And I think slavery films are always safe because it's where you can have these movies and 
white people can go in there and they can just say, well, I'm not like that. That was then. That's no longer a thing now. But it's still happening, just not that in your face now. So it's safe because it can, it can say we've come so far and we have, but we haven't. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's beautiful. We're kind of in this resurgence period because, you know, in the 90s when I was growing up, I had Martin, I had Living Single, New York Undercover, um, and Living, um, and Living Color. I had all of those shows. Um, where I saw myself represented up to really probably about 2002. But, you know, I look back on it, it still was one thing. You know, Martin is one, it's probably my favorite show of all time. I watch it on the regular now, but it wasn't, Martin didn't get the opportunity to have moments where he could show more than being the comedic act. Whereas, you know, Fresh Prince, he, whatever he did, he showed the um, idea of um, abandonment from his father, yeah. um, which still breaks my heart. That scene breaks my heart because I've gone through that before, um, you know, and having the scene with um, the gun and Carlton at the ATM. Like, so Will took those moments within his show. Um, Living Single did that, you know. Um, um, it's a different world did that too, which I'm just angry that it's not available on any streaming platforms now, but they took yeah, those ideas to shit to show rape and, um, you know, drugs and racism, how all these things play and shape. So we're kind of in that period again, I feel where they see black people are profitable. We're always going to be profitable. We're a brilliant race of people. And, I think when given opportunity, you see we're going to shine. But what scares me is that we don't get the opportunity to be able to truly be great and go where we truly need to be. So I'm in the middle where I'm so excited to see where we're going to go. But I'm just also nervous because I don't want it to be where we're telling the same type of stories. And that's it. You know, I want those stories about the fl- the first black person of um on wall street you know uh you know black wall street i want that story the haitian revolution i want that story um you know those are the films that i want and not saying we're just limited to that i want us to keep you know continue being great to give those comedies because we we need those comedies you know um we we need those films we need the the comic book genre films um we need those things but i feel like also we need to be able to show more because we have that platform and Spike and Ryan Coogler can't do it by themselves. Yep. So, yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. I'm excited about it. Me um, too. It makes me happy to be able to see so so much, you know, beauty coming from us. Uh, Insecure, I absolutely, I love it. I'm dying for that next season to come Man, back. <laughs> she did it. She did it. She did it. She did it to us. She did it to us. Yeah, but she's making us wait. I'm making like, us no. making us wait, making us wait, and we gonna just take it in. Like you know what, I ain't mad that Young Glad is here again. Whenever it does come back, but no, I, I think that's. I think you made a lot of great points, and um, I'm excited as well. And we can wrap up on this. I think that we are in an interesting place. Yeah. This is one of the moments where I feel I can genuinely say that progress has been made because there are the different the way that I speak, the way that I hear the people who came from the old guard of that kind of, you know, black renaissance. Cause I feel like there were definitely, you know, two priors. 
from, you know, you had the one in the 90s, which I think is, you know, was definitely one of the most significant and strong ones that really shaped how we view things because there was so much happening all at once. And then prior to that being, you know, the resurgence of, you know, the Norman Lear shows and all these different things that were happening within the 70s and the 80s. And um, so it's like definitely this, you, if you notice, and like it's just it's like this kind of 10 and 10 year gap, 15 year gap to kind of get that resurgence kind of going. And I think right now, when I hear other, you know, people from the older generation speak about it, they, and they speak about the positions that people are in, um, and that, that that being the big difference into where they were and to where where we are now. People like Issa Rae, people like Lena Waithe, people like Ava DuVernay, um, people like uh, also like Ryan Coogler, mm-hmm. who are not only the people who are serving uh, a role, but they're serving a sense of ownership within the things that they're creating. And right. I think that's a big difference from the things that occurred in the past because they, we were just providing talent. We were just providing our eyes, providing our viewpoints and our perspectives. Uh, but a lot of the times we may have not been in the writer's room. A lot of the time we may have not been uh, in those spaces where we can truly affect and really make this take this even further to the next step or have someone there fighting for you, you know, that is just playing a business, uh, a business role where it's like, this show needs to continue to be on. How can we continue? Like we have, the, we got the number. Cause that's the crazy part to me about it all. You know, you have shows that have been, in my opinion, very historical and in, in mm-hmm. just the grand scope of television in general, not even just for people of color. Mm-hmm. And these shows sometimes went out on a hype. Not when yep. they finally, not when, not like they got 10 seasons and they just started to get bad. And then they had a, a, a bum ass finale. I'm talking about Game of Thrones. We're talking about <laughs> shows that were great and got better and got better. And like you're going deeper into these storylines, more deeper and deeper into things that are occurring. And then they just drop out of nowhere um, with right. no announcement with no true respect to what they've given to the channel or what they've given to whatever conglomerate. And I just think it's, we're past that time. We're past that time of, you know, not recognizing what the hell needs to be recognized. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what's to come. It's so much that's coming. There's so much that's on the horizon for television and film. And I think it's going to be something beautiful to just watch and see. I can't wait to, you know, watch things with my nieces and nephews from old things to new things just because we have so much now there's mm-hmm. so much happening now you know the fact that just last year it was so much black content so many black films that came out um uh, it was it was a great year you know the fact that the oscars this year you know showed honestly even though i didn't like how it ended up <laughs> from in terms of uh the best Ooh. film everything else was honestly very damn diverse for Ooh. the very first time and it felt not forced all the way right um, but i you know you can you can figure out what what's really going on or just take away what you want from that but because because to me the fact that green book one kind of told uh. me, showed me okay so they still aren't they don't get it yet you know, baby baby steps for them i guess that's a whole nother discussion it is it is <laughs> but no 
I'm glad I'm glad you said what you said. I'm glad you said it in the way that you said it. I really do appreciate you, Keith Travis. And um and we also still got a link when I do come back to the city. Um for sure. And Absolutely. Um, but but give everyone how they can follow you, how they can, you know, patronize if you would like to be patronized at this moment in time <laughs> and how they can just support what you do and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I feel like it's, at one point in time, I could say trade visions and everybody knew that's easy to type in, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now that I've moved on from that, um, you can find me on Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, my website as well. It's all my names. That's uh, keytravisquire.com. Um, and you know, everything is the same when it comes to my Twitter and Instagram handles. So, yeah, I love to talk. I'm always, you know, down for a good discussion, uh, good or bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, definitely, definitely going to have you back, bro. Um, definitely have you back to talk about more and more things. Um, even even if you know if I bring you on to call you on to do some reviews on some cool stuff that comes out, e- e- either way you can definitely I don't I never am against you know people being correspondents. <laughs> For <laughs> hey, me, you just let me know. I'll yeah, be there yeah, whenever yeah. you have me. <laughs> yes, yes, but no, you can you can see all of his info in the description of this episode, so you can go ahead check out his site, check out his photos, check out a lot of his great photos, and just look at his work, follow him, patronize. Do what you do, collaborate. There's a lot of people in Atlanta that I know, um, so you definitely need to, you know, fuck with the kid. Um, if you don't know now, you know you can. You're listening to the Soulfully Conscious Podcast and Humans Simply Being Humans. The Simply King Podcast can be found everywhere podcasts are available, from Google Play to Radio Public to iHeartRadio to Spotify to Apple Podcasts, uh, what have you. Whatever you're at, get to it. It's on your phone. Look it up. Uh, also follow me uh, on IG at the Simply King Pod, and follow my personal page, Kings underscore Memoirs, and um, and also uh, like my Facebook page, like my Facebook page uh, at the Simply King Podcast uh, Facebook page, and um, yes, I appreciate y'all. I'm glad y'all loved the 400 years episode. Love the response. Love that people are even caring to look into their history because this is a monumentous moment that we will never be able to see the next time. A hundred, another, we won't be here for five hundred. So we gotta relish in the moment that we're living in, and re, you know, and really commemorate the significance of we are our ancestors' best dreams. Um, so love y'all. Make sure y'all follow Key Travis, and make sure y'all share this episode. So. As I said again, this is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. This is Simply King. I'm Rodney Perry. Peace. Every day.